touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Amir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you to the Second to None podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. This is episode lucky number 13. I lost track. Well, and... You know, I don't think you're a big superstitious guy, are you? I'm a little stitious. A little stitious, but not superstitious. I think that's that's an episode for another day because there have been some people around here that have been superstitious. So we'll get into that at some point. But no, I'm not very superstitious either. So we're not skipping... 13 altogether and going straight to number 14. We do have a lot to talk about on this episode. And coming up a little later, we'll talk about the most recent Red Wolves team that has been named Sunbelt Conference champions. We had one of those over the weekend. Yes, we did. But we'll start with the football game that happened this past Thursday at Centennial Bank Stadium. A 28-27 to loss for the Red Wolves to a really, really good Louisiana Lafayette team. The Cajuns have now won six in a row, 27 of their last 31. And after the bye week, we really didn't know what to expect out of the Red Wolves, but what we did see was one of the better efforts, if not the best effort we've seen to this point. Yeah, I would think the best. I mean, I, and honestly, I don't. I'm not sure it's up for discussion. I guess possibly no. UCA, but not really. We we've seen literally the coaches come and break a game down and say, "Well, you know, we really were pretty good except for these ten plays," and they got 300, 400, 500 yards on ten plays. Well, ten really got knocked down to about two. And not that those were the only two explosive plays, but they were only two, as we've heard too often now, catastrophic. Catastrophic. Ones. That's the yeah. word we've heard and, and, so and, much. And listen, I'm for that. I, I agree with that terminology. Catastrophic is above explosive. A lot of the plays we've seen have been catastrophic, but there were only two of them. And I know only two doesn't, you know, sometimes people say, well, that's two too many. But when it's been four, five, six Two is an improvement. Just so happens as the game uh, shook out, you could have survived one of them. There were a lot of things to be encouraged about Thursday, and it was a strange game. And kind of talk about this first. And you mentioned this during your show on Friday. And I, I knew that neither team had scored in the first or fourth quarters, but I didn't know just how tight that scoring window was. There were over 24 minutes to begin the game where neither team scored. And then the last 18 minutes of the game didn't see any points. All 55 points in the game Thursday were scored during an 18-minute stretch spanning the second and third quarters. So for that stretch, it's a little better than three points a minute. If you did that for a game, you'd see two teams combined for about 190-something points. So... An explosive stretch there for 18 minutes and one second, but bookended by 
two big stretches at the beginning and end of the game where nobody put any points on the board. And it was great to see such an effort from the A-State defense, a defense that had been much maligned through the first half of the season and came in to this game against the Cajuns last nationally in both total defense and scoring defense, but they got off to a good start. It seemed like they they gained some confidence, and really a big moment early on was a goal line stand in the first quarter. We saw Caleb Bonner and Jaden Harris come in and make a tackle on third and goal at the one, and then on fourth and goal, the Cajuns go for it, and the Red Wolves get a stop. They fake the pitch, throw it left side, and it's incomplete. They faked the pitch to Chris Smith, who was moving right, then tried to throw it out on the left side to the TCU transfer, John Stevens. It went off his fingertips. And A-State will take over on down. I'll even back it up past that and be honest uh, i'll confess to this because philip butterfield was on my show with me before the game and we talked about it then and uh you know we may even talked about it off the air before that right before the game started but i'll confess that you know he and i were in agreement that if arkansas state wins the coin toss it should take the football do whatever you do to not put that defense on the field first against the cajun offense Red Wolves won the toss thanks to Governor Asa Hutchinson. He he flipped a winner for A State, and the Red Wolves deferred. And I'm thinking, oh me! And then they go out and get a three and out on the first possession of the game. Yeah, and I think the confidence went up from there. I mean that that is a really good Cajun offense, and in particular up front on the offensive line. It was going to be a big challenge for that A-State front. You know, one of the big reasons was, you know, A-State was so beat up at defensive tackle. And, you know, Terry Hampton's out for the year. Hunter Morton's gone for the year. Vidal Scott did not practice all week. Really hadn't practiced in several weeks, but he's played the last couple of games. But because they were so thin at tackle, we saw some three-man fronts the other night. Three-man fronts, some different people up front that we hadn't seen a lot of along the way. Quay Mays played the West Virginia transfer, and he's been beat up most of the season. So he was able to come in and get some reps. And I actually asked Coach Jones off the air during the TV show on Sunday about Quay Mays. And he said, you know, he played really well in the time he was out there. He's got a chance to to really be a good player if he keeps developing. So it, it was good to see those guys step up. JoJo Azugu had a big sack early on. Mm-hmm. Four-man front for that A-State defense. Levi Lewis under pressure, and he's sacked. JoJo Azugu brought him down by the ankles back at the 36-yard line. He finished with eight tackles, three tackles for a loss, including that sack, and he is the team leader in sacks now with four and a half on the year. It stayed scoreless until there were less than six minutes to go in the second quarter. A great drive, 13 plays, 94 yards, and it was capped off on a pretty touchdown pass from Lane Hatcher to Corey Rucker. Lane stands to the right of the quarterback, Hatcher. Hatcher looks left, throws left, caught. Touchdown, Corey Rucker. And the Red Wolves have the first points of the game with 5.38 remaining in the second quarter. I don't know if I've ever seen a stranger kickoff than the one we saw after that touchdown to Corey Rucker. <laughs> it was one that I'm sure Tristan Matson oh, no. usually would have liked to have had back 
because he hooked it. It was a low liner. It hit at about the three-yard line. It was destined to go out of bounds. I told you on the air. I mean, it's not, and I wasn't exaggerating. I was standing on the twelve-yard line, and as that kick was in the air, I thought I was going to have to step out of the way of it, out of bounds at the twelve. Yeah, and somehow it just sort of, first of all, kind of straightened out, and then it landed in bounds, and and not only landed in bounds, bounced twice and never went out of bounds, which is crazy. How that football just died where it did because it was six inches maybe from the a state sideline at the three yard line it takes a hop it takes another hop it's still in bounds and then their return man chris smith who's one of the better return men in the country comes up and he muffs it the ball gets behind him and he has to fall on top of it at the one yard line and you're thinking man a little bit of momentum now and unfortunately, <laughs> the very next play, 99 yards on the touchdown run by Montreal Johnson. It was just a strange oh, man. sequence of events. Yeah, and Coach and Jones, that's one of those two plays you mentioned. Yeah, and, and Coach Jones, you know, really, he didn't go berserk. Matter of fact, it was maybe the, the calmest I maybe had seen him in a, in a teaching moment because and he even talked about it at halftime, talked about the post game. My guest has talked about it with you on the TV show too. All he knows about that play is that a live football is laying on the ground and there's all kinds of people around it. And he didn't come up with it, which is true. And I saw him just calmly, you know, one player in particular, just kind of, he, he walked all the way, I mean, all the way off the field with it. We just kind of, he really was calmly just kind of letting him know that, you know, that ain't a punt. That's a live football right there. And if, <laughs> if we get it, it's ours. And, uh, it sure paid a kind of a, a big price as it turned out for not getting the footballs. You know, I've said it to a lot of people since then. I, I couldn't tell you for sure, and I couldn't tell you I hadn't, but I could not tell you definitively that I'd ever seen a 99 yard touchdown before this season. Maybe I had, maybe I hadn't. I don't remember. I know I've never seen it in back to back games, and neither no. has just about anybody else on the planet. But we've seen it the last <laughs> yeah, yeah. two games. The score was 14-10 at half in favor of the Cajuns, and then the Red Wolves took the lead on the second play of the third quarter. Lane Hatcher able to find Tavalence Hunt over the middle. He breaks a couple of tackles and goes 76 yards to the house. Hatcher throws it over the middle, caught Tavalence Hunt across the 40, breaks a tackle across the 45-50. T. Hunt across the 40, 30, 20. He's inside the 10, and he's into the end zone for the score. 76 yards on the touchdown by Tavalence Hunt, and what a run after the catch. So the Red Wolves up 17-14 at this point. Cajuns come back. They're up 21-17. The Red Wolves driving again. Jeff Foreman made one of the better catches of the year. That was good to see. He had kind of struggled against Coastal Carolina. I know challenged himself. He went up high over two defenders, caught a really nice ball from 36 yards out. And then the freshman that we've been talking about a lot at tight end this year, one of two freshmen we've been really talking about at tight end, say to Traore being one, but Emmanuel Stevenson has started some games now, and he found the end zone for the first time in his career from 15 yards out. Three receivers, twins right. Stevenson 
Motions right. They throw it to him. Inside the 10-5. Emmanuel Stevenson is into the end zone for the score. The freshman tight end puts A-State on top once again with 9.05 remaining in the third quarter. So you're up 24-21. And by the way, this is the fourth time that A-State has led in this game. And then the defense comes through again. Uh, They get one of two takeaways in the second half. A a really nice pick by Kenny Harris. Levi Lewis flushed out, rolls left, throws, and it's picked off. Here comes Kenny Harris inside the 40, and he's knocked out at the 30-yard line. Kenny Harris stepped in front of the receiver to get the interception and the Red Wolves are set up in Cajun territory with 539 remaining in the third. So a chance here and this is a pivotal point in the ball game to go up two scores. You're up 24-21 but a touchdown can put you up 10 yeah and boy the Red Wolves had an opportunity on third and nine from the Cajun 18 Corey Rucker was open in the back of the end zone. Yeah, near miss there. You end up you know, kicking it and you're going up six, but you know, just not cashing that takeaway in to a touchdown proved to be huge. And I'll back up to Jeff Foreman because you talked about the catch he made. He has been on himself because really over a stretch of a couple of games, he'd missed what he probably would deem some easy ones. And what a lot of people for him would deem some easy ones. He had a couple of highlight reel catches, one over the defender, but back in the first half, he's one that you know pulled down the ball off a deflection. The ball wasn't thrown to him. Yeah. He stuck with it and turned it into a big gainer. That was a heck of a play. It was a ball that was intended for Corey Rucker and kind of hung up in the air off the deflection, and he went 28 yards. It's 27-21, but the Cajuns strike back quickly. They score two plays later. They go up 28-27. And the way this game's going, you know, it's 2.37 to go in the third. There's an eternity left, it seems. You're going to have plenty of chances <laughs> yeah. to go in and try to take the lead back. But, hey, credit to the Cajuns. They've got a fantastic offensive line, and they wore down a, a depleted A-State defense kind of late in the game. And I, I don't know – how Billy Napier could have drawn it up any better. A 20-play, 90-yard drive that took the final 10-26 off the clock. And you talk about things you've never seen before. I can't remember a team running the final 10 and a half minutes off the clock the way the Cajuns did. We we saw Arkansas State do something similar to teams. One time at Troy to put a game away. One time at App, just kind of shoved it down the throat to put a game away, but not keeping it. Ten and a half minutes. Uh, I mean, there's nobody in that stadium, Billy Napier included, that would have thought Arkansas State wasn't getting the football back again all night long with 10.26 to go. And it just unfolded perfectly because they would keep getting to third and one, third and two, something they could just ground and pound and keep the chains moving, small chunks. And then, you know, Arkansas State used its timeouts at some point. You know, with about two minutes to go. You know, it comes down to a fourth down play. You run the numbers, and you know obviously hindsight twenty twenty. Your window of opportunity there is to try to stop them. You may as well just put eleven guys on top of the football, and if they got past you, hope they score because once they didn't, then uh, they had a chance to take a knee. Yeah, the way the Cajuns played that, I thought 
was really smart. You had the fourth and one, and it's inside the 10-yard line. You try the hard count. It doesn't work. Credit to the Red Wolves there for not jumping off sides. Billy Napier calls a timeout. Then they come out, try to hard count again, and then they snap the football. They pitch it left and are able to pick up a few yards. But to me, really hadn't gone back and looked at that particular play. I don't know if he was purposely trying to stay out of the end zone. I thought he went down on purpose. And if that's the case, then it's even more smart on the Cajuns' part to just run out the clock because they knew that A-State was out of timeouts. And I said, I haven't gone back to see it either to see whether he went down on purpose. I did see like there was somebody there. I mean, I, I thought he may have gotten tripped up. I do want to go back and see it again just to see, you know, get a better look for a feel on whether he went down on purpose. But either way, uh, they yeah, they run out the final 10-26, something hadn't seen before, and he may not see again. But uh, obviously – a damper from an outcome standpoint, but certainly not a performance standpoint, uh, given the way Arkansas State had struggled basically all season to come back and you know give itself a, a real chance to win a game you were a three-score underdog in was uh, was pretty encouraging. Yeah, a lot of encouraging signs. And you know, there's five games remaining in the season, so some positives to build on. They'll get a chance to do just that coming up this Saturday where they travel to South Alabama. Much more to talk about when we continue along here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. You raised your family here. Did every July 4th here refinish the floors here twice? Sized up your daughter's boyfriends here? Waited in the doorway all day when your son was coming home on leave. This place has given you all you've dreamed of, and now it's giving again in the form of a gourmet kitchen and the quietest dishwasher known to man. Realize your dream with a home equity line of credit from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. So we had the football game on Thursday night, and the night before was a little bit different. We had our first look at the A-State men's basketball team, the Scarlet and Black scrimmage. And Brad, you and I sat here on this very podcast last week and talked about some of the things we were looking forward to seeing on Wednesday nights. Both you and I had a chance to go out and watch, and we'll get to some of the most talked about moments in the game. But just overall, it was a fun atmosphere. It was a lot of of fun i think everybody enjoyed being out at first national bank arena yeah it was fun to see and watch this team you know get up and down and you know the the rosters were divided up by the coaches to be as fair as possible you dividing 15 up somebody was getting an extra player but watch this team go out and really in that scenario and in that setting and play hard you know hit some shots and then it really turned into and and maybe some of this was by design mike Velado's a huge professional wrestling fan maybe he had booked this as a professional wrestling match type way i don't know i don't think so but if he did it would have been smart because it turned into just a huge sort of welcome home party for desi sills at least for about 36 and a half minutes i know i sat with you for most of the first half and they played two 16 minute halves from the start and i walked in gosh maybe four or five minutes after they started. I think Desi already had 10 points. And he just 
was putting on a show. And uh, I remember after I left you at halftime, I went down on the floor, saw our buddy Robert Spear, and he was sitting near Desi's family. I got to meet some of Desi's family who were at the game the other night. I know for a lot of people in Jonesboro, it was the first chance to see Desi play in person that's true since he was at jonesboro high school he had a ton of family and friends there to watch him in this scrimmage and i think they announced there were over 800 people that showed up ran into jonathan adams jr who was there watching his former i was about to say teammate but teammates mm-hmm. you remember he played on that jhs team with both Marquise Eaton and Desi Sills. So, man, he he was cheering loud. I mean, should we be surprised that team ran the table and won a state championship? What a high school team. <laughs> but now Keese and Desi are playing together for the first time since they won that state championship at Jonesboro High School and a, a chance for a lot of people to watch them play together again. And, and Desi's just putting on – show i can't remember what he have 19 at the half yeah, and maybe. one point pretty late in the first half he was out scoring the the scarlet team i think 17 16 at one point and i told you and i mean i wouldn't have said this on the front end because you don't want to sound like a jerk but i promise you i'm sitting there watching him he's flying around and darting in front of passes and getting out and transitioning and dunking and at one point in the first half, I'm sitting there, you know, sitting there with my kids watching this, and the thought crosses my mind, I'm scared this dude's going to get hurt. He's playing so freaking hard out there that I, I think he's going to get, I don't think, but I'm nervous he's going to get hurt before this thing is said and done. Now, if you talk to Mike Bellato and you go out and watch practice at all, they're playing at this high intensity level every single day and that's one of the reasons he loves it so much but you would understand why Desi would be a little extra amped up for this opportunity to play in front of all these people that haven't seen him play in several years now so you get around to the I guess three and a half minute mark of the second half and it's so fun everybody's having a blast the scrimmage is going well and I know you had left at this point but I'm still sitting there you know next to Jerry Scott and we're watching this play develop and Desi gets a steal and he's going down and Norshad O'Meara is back and by the way Norshad looked great he had a double double as he always does (laughs) but Desi's driving and He's going up against Norshad, and it looks like he's going up for yeah. a dunk. You know, at first, when I was seeing all the descriptions of this, you know, I thought, like, here you got Norshad kind of camped out under the paint, and Desi's going to go just try to dunk on him. It, when I actually saw the video, it was in transition. It was a little bit different because, you know, Norshad sort of trying to track him down from behind. And by the way, he does track yeah. him down from behind. It was a clean block by Norshad, but. The momentum carried them both to the floor, and Norshad lands on top of Desi. And you look at Norshad, and you watch the replay. He got right back up and blocked blocked another shot. (laughs) It it was just Norshad O'Meara doing his thing. And and then you realize after a minute that Desi is down, and, and you're waiting for him to get up, and... He starts rolling around, and then you hear him 
screaming and you could tell, okay, this may be a little bit serious. And the longer it went on and it seemed like an eternity that he was down and eventually he ended up having to leave. But when it happened, you could hear a Mm. pin drop in that place. And I wouldn't blame Coach Bellotto if he didn't remember a single thing about the last three minutes of that scrimmage because you're thinking at that point, there goes Desi. His season is over. Yeah, and there is no blame to be assessed there. No. Zero. Coach Bellotto said after the game, and then he and I were talking on the sideline before the football game on Thursday and said the same thing. The only thing he wished he could change is – Wish he'd have seen it because he said he's looking away when Desi gets the steal. So he didn't see the play unfold. By the time he looks up, it's kind of too late. He says if he had just seen the whole play, he would be yelling in Spanish for Norshad to just let him dunk it. But as he said in the post game, you know, that's the level they're competing at every day and they can't, you know, not telling those guys to turn it on and off. So, you know, should all things considered, you let him dunk it? Yeah, you let him dunk it. But is it Norshad's fault he didn't? Heck no. Dude's just trying to make a play in a basketball game. or keeping score. And I don't know if Norshad has another gear. That's one of the things we love about him. I mean, he's just he's going to go all out all the time, and he was just getting back to block a shot. So, yes, nobody's fault. We say all this because late that night, we started getting some preliminary word that Desi – might be okay and then they ran the x-ray the next morning and it turns out it was just a bruise and he's now day to day and hopefully we'll see him back on the floor very very soon but we know he's been back out at practice and whenever does he gets back out there it ain't gonna be soon enough to suit him because that happened on wednesday night by thursday he was already talking with the coaches about wanting to practice on saturday and maybe take part in uh, their super secret scrimmage on Sunday. and He did not take part in that, but he wanted to. So however long he's out, and it won't be a real long time, but however long it is, is we longer than he wants it to be because he's already one back out there. Overall, though, just a really fun night. It was fun to watch that team in action and can't wait to see them get things started for real. They do have an exhibition game coming up on Monday night. And they'll take on Blue Mountain College at First National Bank Arena. Tip off of that one at 7 o'clock. And then the regular season opener comes up Tuesday the 9th against Harding. More to come on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize you're home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC equal housing lender subject to credit approval. Well, we've been telling you all season long about this A-State soccer team and the way they continue to win games, made history last year with their first ever Sunbelt Conference regular season championship, and Bobo, they went back to back. They sure did. Yeah, they went out on the road this weekend needing just a win or a draw in either match uh, to secure 
the top seed. Uh, they end up getting the win down in Troy on Thursday night, getting a, a golden goal in overtime. You so, love saying I love saying golden, golden gold. gold. To wrap up a conference championship, and I like how they even came back and gave that game-winning clip. They went ahead and let it get the full Will Oswalt treatment and had him oh, put did a they? call over. Yeah, they tweeted it out. They, they had Will put a call on – the conference championship winning gold and tweeted it out. Strong with the corner to the near post. Header. It's in. It's Catella. And the Red Wolves winning an extra time. Back-to-back regular season championships for Arkansas State with a 1-0 victory. Will Oswald and his golden goal. Yes. All right. So the Red Wolves end up beating Troy one nothing. In overtime, look, they, they just took it easy on Sunday. They, they played Coastal Carolina. <laughs> they lost that game one nothing. but I, I like Coach Dooley and what he did. He sat out his superstars. Megan McClure and Sarah Sedoma both did not play. A little extra time yeah. to get ready for the tournament. They, yeah, that's right. Those super seniors sat that one out. And this is a team, look, they've gone on and they've done what they've done and they've won a regular season conference championship this team's been hit by the injury bug. They they just kind of kept winning anyway. I mean, they've had multiple ACLs over the course of the season, including one recently to a, you know, another one of those youngsters that had come on and helped. So I don't blame him for putting as many people on ice in that regular season finale as he wanted to because you know, they're bigger fish to fry beginning next week down in Foley. So they finished the regular season 10-5-2 overall, 7-2-1 in Sunbelt Conference play. The Red Wolves will be the number one seed in the Sunbelt Conference tournament, which begins on Monday in Foley, Alabama. That bracket will be released on Thursday. So, again, congratulations to the Sunbelt champion A-State women's soccer team, and hopefully they can go and do something they haven't done before, and that's win the championship yep. made it to the last two championship matches and at both times have gotten a red card that caused them to play down a player and yep. end up losing now the first time it was certainly in the match they didn't have a prayer second time was the, last year was the real kind of stinker where they got a red card with about five minutes to go leading the match and ended up not being able to hold on so no it mean an awful lot uh, to this team this program and and if you're an a state fan you'd be pulling for this soccer team as they you know try to do the one thing they haven't done to this point meanwhile the a state volleyball team lost their two matches this past week at georgia state and at georgia southern they will return home coming up on Thursday and Saturday, taking on the Cajuns Thursday night at 6. Then ULM comes to First National Bank Arena on Saturday. Uh, that match will begin at 6 o'clock as well. As for other sports, the bowling team with a good weekend. We won their first tournament of the year, finished third. This time up, they were in uh, Fairview Heights, Illinois at the Bearcat Hammer Open. Finished third there and they have a freshman Vanessa Nofsier who was all tournament so Justin Kostick does not rebuild he just reloads yeah as evident by a win and a third place finish already and another freshman making an all tournament team so uh, you talk about a program that's done everything you can do except one thing this program has done everything you can do besides winning a national championship a couple of runner-up finishes but 
uh it's any old time now they'll knock that last pin down pun intended and and win themselves a national championship yeah the runner-up finish last year as well men's basketball we mentioned first exhibition only exhibition for the a-state men coming up monday night at seven as they take on blue mountain college we will have that on the radio side across the network coverage beginning at 6 30 tip off at seven o'clock and then of course, football back in action Saturday as we travel to Mobile to take on South Alabama. Kickoff at 4, coverage at 2 on the network. Uh, that game also going to be on ESPN+. Plus. But for us, it's our first look at the brand new yeah. stadium for the Jaguars, Hancock-Whitney Stadium, which means no more lad peoples. And we'll tell you from our end... <laughs> We're well, the same as anybody. We're been there. not broken up about this. And neither is anybody. But yeah, looking forward to seeing the new stadium in Mobile and seeing what they've done there. Look, that's a place that is primed to take off. The commitment they've made there, starting you know they had all their practice facilities on campus anyway, and then to go build themselves an on-campus stadium with a number of athletes they got around there. I listen. South Alabama could be a scary place. They got the right people in place with the stuff they've done now, commitment-wise to the program, and uh, and this dude they got there, Kane Womack, might be the right guy to get those guys, you know, sort of off like a rocket ship. Yeah, for those who don't know, he's the son of Dave Womack, the former defensive coordinator here at A State. He was here in 2011 under Coach Freeze, but. Yeah, really like Kane. Had had a great visit with him on media day, and he's really hard not to like. And this is going to be a hungry team because, look, they had a good non-conference schedule. It wasn't an overly challenging schedule in the non-conference. However, they're coming off a loss in Monroe over the weekend, which I don't know how bad of a loss that is anymore because ULM's now sitting at 4-3. and yeah. three. Well, and for some reason, like – Vegas has been really slow on the uptick with ULM. Yeah, they're four and one on their home field. Georgia State went down there and got them you know, earlier in the year. But since they dropped the home game to Georgia State, they've won three straight at home. And in those three games, they've been 23 and a half point underdog, 32 and a half point underdog. Last week, 13 and a half point underdog. And they've won all those games outright. So, you know, they're screaming for those guys in the desert to pay a little tension when. The Warhawks get to Malone Stadium. They're getting hard to be hard to handle. Yeah, again, that's a ULM team that last season did not lead a single second oh of any game. And now they're at four and three. So congratulations to the Warhawks. Uh, you would think that's a hungry Jaguar team, though, that we're facing yeah, coming and up I, on Saturday. And uh, unfortunately, I saw enough of that game Saturday night. I watched bits of South Al ULM and up to know Degum Jalen Tolbert's still playing. Man, that guy's something else. And he loves playing the Red Wolves. His best games in his career, uh, talking about the the South Alabama wideout, have been against A-State. And he had a huge game last year, I think went for a a school record against the Red Wolves with over 250 receiving yards. So we'll see Jalen Tolbert and the Jags coming up Saturday. Hopefully the Red Wolves can end the losing streak and uh, get back in the win column and – build on some of the positives we saw last week before we get out of here as you're listening to this on at least tuesday comes out on tuesday so no matter when you're listening to it we should say welcome to southern miss because they are now 
Uh, as of Official. Tuesday morning, they were, well, they were having a, a press conference on the Southern Miss campus that was involving the president and AD of Southern Miss and the commissioner of the Sun Belt. So we're technically talking to you on Monday, so I don't know exactly what they covered in that press conference, but they got a sneaky suspicion. It's uh, that the Golden Eagles are coming to the Sun Belt and a lot of chatter that uh, any time now they could be joined by three teams out east in uh, Old Dominion, Marshall, and James Madison uh, to get the Sun Belt to a 14-team league as far as football goes. If that's the way it goes, those three teams would go out east. Southern Miss and Troy would come to the west, and those would be your new divisions. From anywhere you look, social media-wise with Southern Miss, their fan base, their athletic department, extremely excited about the move. They're excited to be out of Conference USA. and It's amazing, man, to watch all these different fan bases, uh, Marshalls and Old Dominions and, and round and list, all the comments from fans saying to their administrations, don't screw this up, get us in the Sun Belt. And for guys who've been around the Sun Belt, you know, man, since we've the come a long way. Yeah, isn't that something to see all these comments saying, "Gosh, surely you can't mess this up. You got to get us in the Sun Belt. Don't blow it." That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's just a testament to the league itself, the league members, the leadership of this conference over the last couple of decades and we've had a front row seat to watch this thing grow so yeah southern miss i think everybody's excited about this should be a great fit into the sunbelt conference you're, you're talking about all this positive stuff is there anything you need to get off your well, chest before we get out of here no i even I, I keep a rant list on my phone uh for just sorts of things nothing in particular has hit me this week but i'll just go to the list and i'll throw this one out there and i can't get completely wound up about it because it hadn't happened to me lately but it's still ridiculous on social media every once in a while especially for me with my show there's some sort of topic pretty much every day that we float out there trying to get social media response on whether it's that or just any kind of other information any tweet or whatever just about one of the douchebaggiest things you can get back is a reply of who cares well i'll tell you who cares dipstick <laughs> You did enough to type that. I scroll past hundreds of things every day that I don't care about. Yeah. And I don't comment on a single one of them that I don't care. I don't invest the time to tell you I don't care. I show you I don't care by just keep scrolling, which yeah. is how you do it. So who cares? You do. Because your dumb butt sent that tweet to me and wasted your time and mine. I agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Now that Bobo feels better, we'll end this edition of the Second to None podcast. You know, we haven't had a road trip in a while, so we'll have that to recap next week. Yeah, a little bit of a, you know, the only downer here is looking at the uh, fact that, you know, Top Golf still hadn't made it to Mobile. And how is that? How is Top Golf not in Mobile? I guess we're going to. They got till Friday to figure it out. Have to figure out something else to do. Good thing there's plenty of seafood, plenty of really good seafood in Mobile, Alabama. For Brad, I'm Matt, and have a great week.